Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Smile Hard podcast. It's January 10th, a Tuesday. You made it. I'm so glad you're here. It is officially the second episode of the Smile Hard podcast. Thank you so much for supporting me and all your kind words over social media. I've been getting so many messages and posts on stories just tagging me and letting me know that the first episode resonated heavily with a lot of people and just helped them through some tough times and just gave them a new perspective on life. It means so much to me. So, on today's episode, I want to talk about something that always resonates heavily with me this time of year. Something that I've always had trouble with and I'm still learning how to deal with. Today's topic is seasonal depression otherwise known as Seasonal Affective Disorder, otherwise known as SAD. That's right, the term for Seasonal Affective Disorder is literally SAD, S-A-D. I couldn't think of a more fitting abbreviation. Every year, more than 3 million people in the U.S. deal with seasonal depression, which honestly, I would have thought there would be more cases. I'm sure most of you are aware of what seasonal depression is, but if you're not, It is a mood disorder characterized by depression that occurs at the same time every year. Seasonal affective disorder occurs in climates where there is less sunlight at certain times of the year. Symptoms include fatigue, depression, hopelessness, and social withdrawal. Before I go too deep into this discussion, I want to note that I am not a doctor. I am not a therapist. If you are really, really going through seasonal depression and finding it very hard on your mental health, please, please go see a doctor about it. It is so important that you see a doctor about it. They will help you and diagnose you and do the best they can to treat it. This podcast is really just me explaining how seasonal depression affects me every year and some ways that I prepare for it and what I do to make the best of it. I've dealt with SAD, seasonal affective disorder, basically all my life. And I've kind of accepted it at this point and thought that most people deal with it, to be honest. And I thought that that was pretty common. But there are a lot less cases of seasonal depression than I thought. The older I get, the crazier it is to realize that there's only four seasons in a year. And those seasons repeat themselves every single year. And it will never change. We will always have spring, summer, fall, and winter. 41% of people favor fall, 24% summer, 24% spring, and 11% winter. So basically, one out of 10 people favor winter, which is still more than what I would have thought. I have a few friends that favor winter, but it's just so rare compared to my friends that favor summer and fall. Personally, my favorite season is spring. Well, it's, it's kind of the end of spring, beginning of summer, like hybrid, kind of around like May, June, July. Ooh, I just had a voice crack. I promise I'm not in puberty right now. But yeah, my favorite season is spring. There's so much energy happening around that time. Plants are blooming. The sun is out later. People in general just seem like they're in a better mood. And it's kind of like the Monday of a week. I've always felt like Mondays get such a bad rap for being like the worst day of the week. But I genuinely have always thought Monday is the best day of the week. Even throughout most of high school and college, I've liked Monday the most. People dread it because they have to go to work, but if you don't hate your work or school, you probably won't dread it as much. Working at coffee shops, I noticed a huge pattern of Monday being the busiest day of the week for people coming to get coffee. 
People wake up early on Monday, they want to start their week off right with a coffee, they're ready to work, the gym is packed more on Mondays, I've noticed. There's just more of an energy revolving around Mondays than other days, and I love that. I love working, I love being busy, I love watching other people be busy, and that's why I think I love spring and summer. People are just busier and active and outside, and that's great. And don't get me wrong, I love fall, and even winter sometimes, but they don't compare to spring and summer for me. So, to recap, number one, see your doctor. That's the most important thing you can do for yourself. See a medical professional who can diagnose you and give you professional solutions for your depression. Now, number two, this is what I like to do, and this is what I've noticed has helped other people and friends and family. Number two, prepare your mind. This is so essential for dealing with seasonal depression. Really, this is something you want to do in the fall, but it's winter now, so better late than never. Now, what do I mean by preparing your mind for seasonal depression? Well, just like you prepare your house for the winter season, you need to prepare your mind. Have you ever gone into a test for school without preparation, and it's felt like a total dumpster fire or like a long day at work, but... You didn't get enough sleep and mental preparation. The same goes for prepping your mind for the winter season. In the months and weeks leading up to the cold and darker days, I like to prep myself. I remember when I hit a certain age, like kind of around the time I was in like middle school, uh, where I started realizing that I was unhappy or unmotivated, just generally sad during the winter. I love to be outside and nothing but a pair of shorts no t-shirt, no shoes. That's that's just what I thrive in. That's where I belong in the warm ocean with just nothing but heat. Um, even though I love like style and the occasional snowstorm, I thrive in a sunny, warm environment where everyone is outside doing things, biking, exercising, just getting after it. I get down in the dumps when winter season comes along. So something I've done over the past few years, and I will continue to do probably the rest of my life, um, is prepping my mind for the winter season. Prepping my body, prepping my house, just prepping everything overall, and letting myself know, Miles, the cold is coming. There's nothing you can do to stop it, but there are things that you can do to prepare for it and be ready for it. Just doing something as simple as readying your mind for the winter season can help a lot with seasonal depression. Maybe you're not someone who's dealing with seasonal depression, or, or maybe you like the winter, or maybe you live in Australia where it's summer right now. If you're one of those people and this topic doesn't relate to you, you can use this information for dealing with other things in life, or maybe you have a friend or family member that deals with seasonal depression. I just want to make sure that everyone listening right now can find value somehow in this podcast because these things have really, really worked for me and I know that they have worked for other people too. So, again, prepare your mind. Tell yourself, it's going to get darker, it's going to get colder. Once it's over, warmer and sunnier days are coming. But for now, it's time to step back and prepare yourself and understand that this is part of life. There's nothing you can do about it. Because I strive in the spring and summer seasons, I tend to slow down a bit in the end of fall and winter. 
instead of going 120% every second of the day and working multiple jobs and just nonstop, I try to allow myself more sleeping hours per day in the winter. The winter time, I allow myself to focus on my mental health, basically like my own form of hibernation. Speaking of hibernation, doesn't it feel like the extra hour of the sun setting earlier just feels like forced hibernation, like by the government or something? Like there's a few states like Arizona and Hawaii who don't have the fallback time, otherwise known as standard time. Um, but those states live just in daylight savings time all year round. And I am so jealous. I know some people like standard time, but my whole life I thrive in daylight savings time. And I know that Florida, the place I just left and I grew up in, finally just got rid of standard time. And they're going to have fallback time permanently now. And I think that's so great, especially for a state called the Sunshine State. Like, why not have the sun out longer if we don't need it? When I was younger, I actually did a petition to get rid of it when I lived in Florida. Um, and I'm so happy that they finally did. So I think this is their last standard time. I don't know. Maybe it'll get overturned. I guess we'll have to see. Side note, I actually did a lot of research about it when I was doing the petition. And I found out that, like, a lot of people think it's for farming purposes, but it's actually, they added that extra hour of daylight for war production. That's what I found out, at least, through a few sites. Um, so basically, they, when we needed more war materials, they added an extra hour of daylight and created daylight savings time. So we're actually currently in the real time, which is fallback time, which is sun setting at 4 to 5 p.m., which to me is just awful. But I just find that so fascinating that the real time is now, and we created daylight savings time for war production, like to make extra war materials. It's just crazy. Anyways, it doesn't make any sense to me. Maybe one day we'll get rid of it. But for now, we have to prep for those darker and colder days. That's number two. So... Number one, talk to a doctor if you're really experiencing some heavy mental health issues during, you know, the wintertime and seasonal depression. Number two, prep your mind, prep your body, prep your house, prep yourself for cold and darker days. Now, number three, this is what I like to do for my seasonal depression. This is one is very important to me. It is that I am making sure that I prioritize social activities. I tend to isolate myself from social settings most of the time. I really do thrive in isolation. I grew up like with an older brother. Um, he's seven years older than me. Um, so the most, for the most part, he was like kind of out of the house and I kind of grew up like as an only child for my developing ages and just really learned how to do things on my own because both my parents worked a lot. And that's just kind of like the environment I grew up in. It's just I had time with friends and family and did things. I made sure to go outside and I was always outside. But I also, like when I was home, I wasn't surrounded by people. I was just in my room, isolated. I was drawing or making skateboard decks or, you know, counting my skateboard wheels. I don't know. I was just doing things by myself all the time. And although that is... I don't know. It's good and bad. Everything is good and bad in moderation. Every like being alone, being isolated, and uh, being in a social setting. Everything in moderation. 
I'm just most productive when I'm alone. Um, and it, it fulfills a spot in my heart and in my brain that I need fulfilled. I always have a million things that I want to do. And just by being alone, I just notice that I get things done more often. So because of that, because I'm someone who thrives in isolation, I have to make sure that I'm forcing myself to do social things and seeing friends and meeting new people and new experiences, new things, especially during the winter season when it's dark out at 4.30 p.m. and the day feels like it's over. Just because I love being alone doesn't mean I don't love going outside and exploring and going to the beach and surfing and skateboarding and biking. I still do all of those things. I just tend to do them alone most of the time or with a few buddies. Plus, with moving and stuff, a lot of my friends are scattered in different states and it's hard to do things and meet new people constantly. But anyways, I I just have to make sure I'm forcing myself to be around social settings and social environments. And that is why recently... I got a job at a brewery about a month and a half ago, um, month, maybe two months ago now. Um, I work a lot from home, and I'm alone most of the days of the week. And over the past few years, I found out that I need a social workplace at least a few times a week, like one, two, or three days a week. Um, and that's really one of the biggest purposes for humanity, right, is learning from other people and working together. We were born to work together. So working at this brewery has really helped me cope with seasonal depression and just fulfill that extra couple days a week that I need to be around people. And I've noticed that the customers and the regulars that come into the brewery are just happy people in general. So just being around a happy environment is helping me a lot, especially with my seasonal depression. And not only does it initially just take your mind off of it because you're focused on something else, but it allows you to focus on the good parts of winter. You start to discover different people's perspectives on the winter. I I talk to a lot of people at the brewery, and you get to know a lot about their lives and who they are and what they do for a living and how they grew up, and I really, really love that. It's like a giant experiment to me. I've always loved, like, people watching and observing and taking mental notes to help me like evolve and become a better version of who I am. Learning other people's perspectives can really, really help you appreciate your own, or at least help you understand that you're not alone in this fight. Many people are dealing with the same concerns and problems. Maybe you have the opposite problem of me. Maybe you're in a social setting too much, and it's causing you to be depressed during the winter season. I I don't have much experience with that, but I can imagine that it happens. And people need to be isolated. They need to force themselves to step away from their friends and family and just be with themselves. And it's important to take that time away from friends and family and just really be isolated and focus on your own hobbies and learn who you are and be content with yourself. Just like I said earlier, everything in moderation. Being alone is just as important as being around other people. So make sure that you are doing both during the winter season. Find creative ways to be with friends. Go explore, I don't know, go explore every park in your city or something. Be quirky and go bird watching or cloud watching. I don't know. Just spice it up. Learn a new skill. Skill. 
volunteer at a local dog shelter, which I'm actually looking into doing. I want to volunteer somewhere, and that seems like a very easy like go-to place. So I'm looking into that. I, I, I want to volunteer because I just want to fulfill that part in my heart that wants to do something, and it will also make me appreciate the winter more. The list is endless, and if you're like me, it can seem nearly impossible to be motivated and do these things during the winter time. But I promise, I promise you, you can do it. You got this. Now, now that we've talked about that, let's move on to number four. Feed your body. What do I mean by feeding your body? I mean a number of things. Your body needs nutrients in the winter, just like it needs nutrients in every season. But I notice myself getting in the habit of eating fast food more often in the winter and just getting off track of my gym schedule and eating habits when I'm in the winter. So creating a schedule for your body that is easy to stick to. I don't mean like throwing all of your McDonald's trips out the window and not eating junk food for months. I just mean making sure that you're creating a healthy environment for your body. Uh, Everything from like opening your blinds up in your house to let the sun in to setting a goal once a week of going to the gym. You don't even have to go every day. You just just go like once a week or a couple times a month. And you don't need to eat a salad every day. Just reward yourself for eating that salad once a week or once a month. Or reward yourself for those little wins. Reward yourself when you do go to the gym or when you say no to fast food. Or just all those little things are just going to help your mental state. Give yourself kudos for every little win like that during the winter. And just continue to hype yourself up for eating that broccoli that you didn't want to eat, but you did it anyways. You will notice a difference in your everyday life if you acknowledge the little wins. You'll notice a difference in your like overall physical well-being as well as your mental state. I used to go to the gym every day, but the past few years I've kind of slipped out of that schedule kind of just because I'm so busy with my company, social media, hobbies, and building a life. So I just make sure to go once a week, or if I miss a week, go twice the next week. And when I do go, I make sure to tell myself, Miles, you rock. You're a rock star. You are awesome. Like, hype yourself up. Let yourself know how cool and great you are when you go to the gym or when you, it doesn't have to be the gym. Maybe you've never gone to the gym or maybe you're fine with going to the gym, but you're lacking in something else. Just when you do those little things that, you know, I'm not saying to do them every day, but when you do do them, acknowledge those little wins, acknowledge everything like that. It'll help. I promise. My brain, my heart, my liver, my bones, they all love me more for doing those things and they love me even more for acknowledging them, even though they are small. It really makes a big difference. My New Year's resolution, it well, it is kind of a few things. I have a few little things on my resolution list, and I also have a few big things on my resolution list. I don't have like a big whiteboard with boxes that I have to cross out for the resolutions. I just have them in my brain, kind of more of a mental note and just some things that I want to achieve throughout the year. Um, and one of them is someone like reach, someone reached out to me uh, about this a few weeks ago. They follow me on Snapchat, and they are a filmmaker. And I've always wanted to act, and I've always wanted to direct. That's kind of been 
on my big to-do list for like you know goals like things that I don't want to regret when I'm older and someone reached out and asked me to be in a film it's just a short film but it's so cool that they want me to be in their film and I think it's so cool so that's on my resolution list and that's a big achievement to me acting in this short film but I also have like drinking more water on my list which is just such a small thing but it matters just as much if my body isn't happy and healthy and motivated because I'm not drinking enough water then I'm not going to want to act in that film or be motivated to act in that film does that make any sense like I don't know the little things are just as important as the big things another resolution on my list is that I want to have more accountability in my life if my dog slips off the couch and breaks the lamp or something that wasn't my dog's fault I want to acknowledge that I own my dog and therefore I need to be accountable for my dog's actions just as much as my own actions it's easy to like be frustrated and I know it's just hard in the moment sometimes when something like that happens and you want to blame others or like the universe and just punch a hole through the wall but being accountable will make you a better person I've always tried to be more accountable, but this year I want to make accountability a top priority. That being said, I also want to do something like take my company to the next level and really, really focus on it. And I have a few exciting things actually going on for Beaten Path that I want to share with you all, but I can't talk about the details right now. Um, But it's finally taking its next big boy steps for a company, and I'll be talking about it more in April and May of this year. But anyways, you get what I mean. The small things like accountability are just as important as the big things like taking Beaten Path Co. to the next level. Just hype yourself up for every win, no matter how big or small it is. So let's recap real quick. Number one, go to the doctor if you need to. Number two, prepare your body and your mind and your house. Prepare, prepare, prepare. Prep yourself. Number three, what was number three? Jeez. Oh my gosh. Ah, yes. Number three, force yourself to be in social situations if you're isolated most of the time or vice versa, force yourself to be isolated and be with yourself if you're always in social settings. And number four, feed your body. Feed your body with nutrients that your body needs and also feed your body with positivity and self-love. Tell yourself you're awesome. There's also a lot of, there's a lot of stuff I do to help myself, um, making sure I'm going outside, you know, a few times a week and just exploring nature and taking a bike ride or running a mile. And none of that is just like, none of that's huge. I'm not doing a 20 mile hike up a mountain or, you know, experiencing new things and pushing my body to its physical limits. I'm just, I'm just taking in the beauty around me and taking a step out of the house and breathing in fresh air and just doing things for my body. Another thing that helps me is sticking to a schedule and having a routine in my life. It doesn't have to be like strict as far as, you know, every week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm doing the exact same thing. It just has to be semi-strict or like I'm making sure that I'm working these days And then when I'm done, I'm doing these things and sticking to that schedule. And if I miss something, I don't punish myself. 
I just, I tend to be a little more relaxed in the winter. I'm not pushing myself to my limits. Um, so I just already have that prepped in my mind and just allowing myself to focus on my mental health more often in the winter because I need it. I really, really need it in the winter. So that's another thing is just sticking to like a little routine or schedule and having these things that you want to do, but when they don't get done, don't punish yourself that you didn't do it. I, I tend to like when in the summer and fall and when, and geez, spring, summer, fall, I, I go 120%. And if I don't get something done, it is a big bummer to me because I have a lot of things that I want to do and I'm all over the place and I'm energized and I'm ready to go and I'm pumped. But in the winter, I calm down a little bit. And when I don't get things done, I don't get upset at myself for not doing them. I tell myself, Miles, relax. You've got plenty of time. This isn't a time to be soaking the sunlight and going outside and exploring the beach. This is a time to be focusing on your mental health, your body, yourself as a person, who you are. Just be calm. Do it the next day. Everything's going to be okay. So those are just some ways that I deal with seasonal depression and some ways that I've seen other people deal with it and prep for it and just help prevent it. Um, to me, I'll always, I think I'll always have a form of it. Every year is kind of different. Some years are worse than others, but I'm learning every year on how to cope with it and just how to accept it because it just feels like for some reason in the back of my mind, it feels like, you know, man, I'm going through this winter and it's hard, but next year I won't have to. But I'm learning that, no, this is something that happens every year, Miles. Like, you're not going to get rid of winter. You can't. Maybe one day I'll just get a house, like, in uh, Costa Rica or something, and I'll just go there for the winter. But until then, I want to prepare myself for it and just learn what others are doing to help with it. Because it is a big big thing and it is hard it's really hard when you're a summer person and it's literally zero degrees out it's hard even in florida like i mean for the most part it's warm there and you can still go to the ocean every day and do what you want but there are days where it's like 40 degrees out and i know some people are like haha 40 degrees but when in florida like if you're next to the water and it's 40 degrees out and it's kind of wet that wet cold hits you, dude. Like it, it gets under your shirt and you're not prepared for it. Cause you're in Florida. No one has winter clothes and it is cold and it's dreary and cloudy and wet. It's kind of like what it seems like Washington and Oregon winters are like, I don't know. Um, but yeah, if you live by the water and it's cold, even if it's like, you know, above 30, it's a different type of cold. We're out here in Colorado. It's this dry cold. Also, I'm learning that this weather out here is just so nuts. It's so bipolar. If you're from Colorado, you know what I mean. Like literally one second. The other day it was like it was like 55 degrees and it dropped to negative nine within like three hours. It was during that weird winter storm storm uh, around Christmas time. But it's just crazy out here. And, and sometimes the winds will be like 80 mile per hour wind gusts. And that, dude, that's a category one hurricane in Florida. And people think hurricanes are crazy and scary, but no, not when a normal day out here has 80 mile per hour wind gusts. I don't know. It's crazy. Everyone has rocks on their garbage cans and, uh, Kendall's parents, uh, their neighbor, like their truck flew into their neighbor's fence one day. 
just like on a normal Wednesday, just another day. Um, so I'm learning how to deal with Colorado bipolar weather and, you know, bringing an extra outfit everywhere I go. I don't love it. I don't strive in it, thrive in it. I mean, um, but I'm here and I'm embracing it and doing what I can to love it and to prepare for it. So yeah, I don't know. It's just giving me more perspective on life being out here. And the next place I go, I'll learn a new way to cope with winter and seasonal depression and hopefully not have 80 mile per hour wind gusts on a normal Wednesday. But anyways, I hope those were able to help you or just give you some sort of value and insight and perspective. Um, If you guys listen to my first podcast, you know that I like to answer a few questions from you guys on every episode. So this episode, I'm going to answer some. We've got a few to go over. So let's do it. Let's get into it. So first question, Charlie asked, hey, how big of a toll did college take on your mental health? P.S. I look up to you so much. First off, thank you, Charlie. That means a lot to me. Thank you for your question and your support. Um, how big of a toll did college take on your mental health? It took a huge toll. And I am not exaggerating. College was really hard on me, and it was really hard on a lot of my friends. It's an interesting topic. Um, that would be a cool one to just you know talk about for a half hour and share my thoughts and insights and where I think college is going. But if you don't know, I I did uh, I got my AA in Tarpon Springs, Florida, at SPC College. It was a community college, and I went you know I went the community college route just for money purposes, and I wasn't really at the time into the idea of going to a university and doing the dorm and blah, blah, blah. Even though now I kind of wish I did because I didn't get that college experience that all the parents talk about, you know, college is going to be the best time of your life and blah, 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 and all this amazing stuff. Um, so I did the community, community college route. It was great. I, I still think I've been to three colleges and I think that those professors were the best out of the other, you know, I went to two other universities Um, I think I had the best education at the community college. I just, I was able to literally text a few of my professors if I needed help. It was so one-on-one, the classrooms weren't bigger than 40, and it was nice. Um, Then, after my AA, I went to Orlando. I went to UCF, and I had a lot of friends and a lot of people that I knew that went there, and some cousins too. And it was cool just to like, you know, pop into a random university at the time, the biggest university in America, there was 70,000 students. I think there still is. It was crazy. Um, And now that I'm past it and done and I've graduated and, you know, I'm, I'm through the hardships of college, I can appreciate how amazing that campus really is. It's beautiful. It's like its own little city. But at the time, I, I was, I was going through it. That was really, really tough. Um, it just, it didn't feel welcoming. It wasn't my scene. It was in the middle of Florida. Um, just, it was an interesting place. And even though they have great education and one of the best football teams and really, really, they, they created the campus, right? It was a beautiful campus. I just, 
I just had a hard time at UCF. It was not fun for me. Um, I tried things. I, you know, I did yoga under the stars and rock climbing club, and I joined a bunch of clubs. I, I tried to do a bunch of things. It just wasn't for me. Um, and that's okay. And that's where I met Kendall and that's where I met a lot of friends. And I, I don't, you know, I don't regret going there. Um, but it was hard on me and the toll that it took on my mental health and the stress that I took on with it. I really do think I lost some years of my life because of it. It was just, it was just one of those things where like, um, my art class was being held in a science building, you know, two miles away or, uh, and then you go to that science building and it's not being there. There's construction and you go to try to find someone at the main office to help you and they aren't there and there's a line all the way out the door and so you call but no one ever picks up and there's technical issues and like it just felt like every day I was going through that and that wasn't fun at all. Um, and that's what a lot of friends kind of experienced in my mind or in my eyes. Uh, it was just weird. Like every month they had you change your password, like one month, it would be one month. And then it'd be like, re rechange your password. And then it would be one week later and it'd be like, rechange your password. This was to get into your portal as a student. And then it would be like four months later. It, it was just a random pattern. But just, I'm not a fan of that, you know? I'm not a fan of having 700 kids in my class. I'm not a fan of feeling out of place and just not fitting in. And that's how it was. Um, and then, so at the time, I wanted to go into video and photography. And I really wanted to do advertising, but you had to be like a... You needed like a 3.7 GPA or something like that. And you had to pass like some crazy tests to get into the advertising program at UCF. And I wasn't there, you know, I was a 2.4 student in high school. I was, I'm not a good student. Um, so I fell out of place and I was kind of forced to go to my next interest, which was videology. And it was in the same realm, but I really wanted to be in marketing and advertising. So COVID hit, things got weird. We all remember that. And I went home for a little bit. And then I moved to St. Augustine, Florida. And that was the best choice of my life. But I went to school in Jacksonville, Florida. So that was like an hour north of where I lived. And I went to school at some university called UNF, Unit of University of North Florida. It was a great school. It was kind of weird because COVID was kind of like halfway gone. So half of the people were there and there was no events and stuff. So that part was kind of weird. There was no college experience, which was fine. It was just kind of like, kind of boring, kind of lame. But that was when I finally got to go into advertising and my professors were cool. It felt like the in-between of a community college and a big university like UNF. It was a really good mix. There was like, I think 20,000 students instead of 70. Um, and my classes, my biggest class was only like 80 students instead of hundreds. So in that fact, it was cool. But overall, the stress of school, it was hard just juggling it. And I just, I remember a certain, at a certain point in my life, I was working a lot of jobs 
um, on top of school, which probably wasn't smart for my mental health, but my hair was like, I remember when like I would just go brush my teeth and like hair would fall out. And I was like, no, no. I was like, put it back, paste it. I don't know. I just, there was times in college where uh, I don't get much acne and pimples, but I was like, I was, my hair was falling out. I was getting acne. I was having panic attacks. I was, you know, not who I am and college can do that. And I wasn't, I would never have gotten education that I felt passionate in and felt like I was really learning something. I'm really, I have a big opinion about college in that way, where I think that you can get so much more experience from an internship or just a job or there's all these online programs now. And if you really want it, you can do it easily without the college education. I just kind of kept going to college for that piece of paper just as a backup plan. But I, I plan on not using my degree. I just wanted to go just in case and just have that as a backup plan. Week one of going to UCF, I created a playlist on my phone called Breathe, and it, it's just a bunch of songs that kind of helped me slow down. I would separate from my friends, um, and I would just listen to this playlist and just breathe and just be content and try and get through it. Um, I've never really had panic attacks, but my first two weeks there, I had two. And then within a few months, I was going to a therapist just at the school and they actually I think that actually made it worse because the prof the the prog geez what am I trying to say the the process geez the process of going to a therapist at that school and just having a a free therapy session was so hard you would be waiting for hours and they didn't they didn't help me um so I I probably should have seeked professional help in that regard but um you know I'm just trying to explain how big of a hit it took on me and if I had to say like one out of one out of ten if ten is being the hardest like it nailed me I I would say like a solid seven eight it really really took a big toll but there are pros that come out of it I I had a lot of um you know I did learn some things I mainly just learned how to push through and I also uh made a lot of friends and connections so that's where I think college is helpful nowadays um but if you're seeking what your parents had in college and what they talk about I think for the most part that's a hard that's a hard thing to get so it's we're just living in a different time and you hear it from so many people that you definitely just you don't need college now you don't need a college education to make it in life you need experience and you need to be motivated and have that drive and passion, but you do not need the golden ticket like you used to. I hope that was able to answer your question, Charlie. Thank you so much again. Okay, I'm gonna do one more question. This one is from Josie. Josie said, hi Miles, how do you manage your busy days? Do you ever get overwhelmed with the workload or do you find motivation in your long-term goals? Thanks for being such a positive voice. Looking forward to the next podcast. Thank you, Josie. This question is great. Um, Right off the bat, how do I manage my busy days? Let's see. How do I manage my busy days? I've really wanted to get into like a Google calendar and just start writing everything down that I want to do and having these reminders. Um, And I I think I'm also going to make that kind of a resolution of this year is just to get more organized with myself and make sure that 
I have a, you know, primary care physician and all this adult stuff. Um, that for some reason I find it hard. Uh, and I'm one of those people who every day is a different day and I'll wake up and I'll write it all on my hand and I'll cross it off as I go, or I'll write it in a text message to myself. Um, so being organized is a little bit hard. I think I probably do have some form of ADD where I'm just all over the place. Um, so how do I manage my busy days? Really the biggest thing that I do, um, besides writing something on my hand that I need to get done or a list of stuff, I, I like to text myself. Um, like I, I have my phone number, I have iMessages linked up on all my, I have two computers and a phone. So I'll text myself notes for the day of what I want to do and try and get them all done. But I also leave like time for, you know, packaging orders for beaten path and a few hours of just mental health stuff and just playing with my dog and, you know, giving time to Kendall and, and making sure I'm eating. Um, I allow myself to have freedom in that regard, but if I have a list of things that I need to do, I manage it through texting myself primarily. Um, and that way, if I'm, I'm like popping on a computer or whatever, I, I can see that text. It's right there. And I'm just like, Oh, I got it. Got to do that. Um, can't forget. So that's kind of where I'm at. But, you know, I'm seeking, I'm seeking help in that regard. I want to get more organized and probably, I'll probably get the Google Calendar app going and try and do better. You also asked me, do you ever get overwhelmed with the workload or do you find motivation in your long-term goals? Um, Yes, I get extremely overwhelmed with my workload. I am one of those people that like piles files and files and files in my brain of things that I want to do. I just constantly come up with stuff and I can't do it all. It's like putting a ton of, you know, videos that take up too much storage on a hard drive that can't handle it. That's how I feel a lot of the times. Um, so I do get very overwhelmed with my workload. Like right now I'm talking to you, but I also need to package orders and I have to get back to like 15 emails and I need to prepare for my day tomorrow. And I have a meeting with someone on Saturday that I need to prep for right now. So there's always so many things that I need to be doing and I'd get very overwhelmed. And that's something like I've learned about myself over time is I like to jam a lot of things into this tiny little brain and I can't finish it all. And I'm okay with that, but I like to just prioritize the things that need to get done. Um, and then my secondhand projects and stuff, uh, you know, those, those can wait. Those can, those can be after I do my orders and, you know, I shower and I eat. I need to eat before I start a new hat company, you know. Lastly, you asked, do you find motivation in your long-term goals? Yes, I find a lot of motivation. I actually kind of just manifest, uh, I've manifested a lot of things over the past few years. Um, and, you know, I, I, for some reason, I've always had this idea that I'm going to be on Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy Kimmel in my 20s. And it's just something I look up to. And I also have like this thought of I want to act in a giant film and then just move to the middle of nowhere and disappear and just fall off the face of the earth. I, I have these little things that I want to get done 
and I find motivation by just telling myself like it's gonna happen just don't push it be patient and play the long game be smart and have a lot of passion and drive behind what you do in any product that you're delivering um, and don't rush the process enjoy the journey these things are gonna happen and if they don't happen when you planned on them happening when you're 23 Maybe they'll happen when you're 33 or 43 or 53. Age is just a number and time is just a thing that we can't control. And sometimes things don't play out how we thought. So just, you know, prepping myself for like failure is okay. Failure is part of learning. And just knowing that like it can still happen and playing the long game. It's so important to me that I think that way and that I just tell myself like it's going to happen but don't rush it. It's coming. Good things are coming. Um, so I also like, I like to listen to, you know, since, and since high school, I've listened to a guy named Gary V, um, which you may have heard of. And if you got the first impression of like, this guy's a douchebag and he's too hardcore for me, just give him a few more listens because he will, he will touch you, uh, in ways that I find most people can't. Um, but just looking up to people like that and people that motivate me, um, to just understand that patience is okay. If you don't make it in your teens, you can make it in your twenties. If you don't make it in your twenties, you can make it in your thirties, forties, sixties, seventies, eighties. It doesn't matter. Life just goes on and you have to play the long game and be patient. Just make sure that you're filling yourself up with things that you love and people that you love and environments that will help you be a better person and help you be happier. Being happy will always be the end goal. Being happy matters way more than money. I promise you. Anyone that has a lot of money will probably tell you the same thing. Um, I don't have a lot of money. I'm just from experience. When I have more money, it doesn't make me happier than when I had negative $2 in my bank account. So just happiness is the end goal. Be patient. Just love what you're doing. Um, and I've always, also always said like, you don't have to love your career or your job or school, just like it, like it enough that you really want to go every day and you don't dread waking up and going to that place. And if you hate your career, maybe it's time you change it. Um, you know, it's hard. And just like breaking up with someone that's not making you happy. It's hard. Those things are hard or getting rid of a dog. That's too hard for your lifestyle. It's hard, but you know that deep down it's going to make you happier and you only have one life and being happy is all that matters. Money does not matter. I promise. So yeah, being motivated, um, for long-term goals that that's just some things that I do. And some people that I look up to, I just have these things that I've manifested for so long and I think they will happen. And I'm looking forward to talking to you, Jimmy and Jimmy. <laughs> Um, but yeah, thank you guys for your questions. If you are interested and you want to ask me some questions, you can tweet me at smilehardpod on Twitter. You can tweet me any questions that you have and I am, I'll be so happy to answer them on this podcast. It makes me so happy that you guys are listening. We've hit a thousand, um, listens on the last podcast. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It means so much to me and I'm just so grateful for your support and I can't wait for what's next in this podcast. I'm already learning so much about life and myself, and I hope that I'm bringing value to you guys. I can't wait for our next conversation next Tuesday. 
Thank you guys so much for listening to the Smile Hard podcast. Have a lovely rest of your day.